Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 30-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line investment survey. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, we look at the November 11th, 11-11 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition, but before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, the show is, uh, we're just after hours here, kicked back, reading value lines. So while we do a lot of very thorough research during the week for paying clients, we're doing none of that here. This is just uh, after work for a hobby. Third, uh, our lawyer says we need to tell you that we may not have your interests in mind, so do your own work. Uh, and finally, um, I've been drinking uh, again this week, so... Uh, what have you, right, Mo? And it's lunchtime, so I know. just so you know, we're not... <laughs> well, listen, I just, for the spirit of the show, I wanted to do it, not for any other reason. It's going to be a long afternoon, yeah. though. Um, so we've got uh, three pretty good ideas from this week's uh, edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition, but uh, I don't know if you have any comments prior to getting into that, Mo, if you have any thoughts you want to share with the listeners um, um, no, we, oh, well, um, have you noticed what hat I'm wearing? Uh, Can we mention this on the Yeah, air? well, you're wearing a, a Goldman Sachs hat. I don't exactly. think that reveals anything. No, well, you know what's interesting? All the bad guys in the current crop of Hollywood movies yeah. are from Goldman Sachs, yeah. and they're all wearing this hat. So yeah. it's become a very big deal in L.A. and Hollywood, and I own one. Have you, are you in the movie? No, 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 but these hats out there? yeah. You know, you want to be a bad guy, you want to be a tough guy. Goldman Sachs. You're a Goldman Sachs. So yeah. People are paying $1,000 for these and hats you're on wearing eBay. It, you're wearing it forwards, not backwards. So maybe that this whole Goldman Sachs hat thing is uh, causing some style changes in general. Yep. Bad be. guys wear hats forward now. Yeah. Not backward anymore. Yep. So that's my that's the latest addition to my... Have you walked Satoru. outside wearing that hat? Or what do you... Yeah, I got some interesting looks in Whole Foods. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to get a matching T-shirt that says "One really? percent." See, just see yeah. what it's like. The kind yeah. Of, the kind of Ask me if you want to know what it's like. Your t your shirt could say that something yeah. like that. So, speaking of uh, the one percent, the ninety-nine been very quiet on the Western Front this week. Um, you know, for a lot of these guys, they are interviewing them, and they say it's starting to sound like a job. You know, you wake up, you sweep up, you you get lunch, you drum a little bit, you chant a little bit. Yeah. You make dinner, you go to bed, and you do it the next time. What? Yeah. What's the it's difference get old between that while. and uh, having a job? Yeah. Well, uh, bonuses and the reviews incentive, probably. Yeah. Incentive no bonus. incentives. Yeah. So really, the way this is going to evolve, it's going to become a culture within a culture. Well, I wonder if they're starting to, you know, some of the guys that are really doing the best job at protesting, if they're looking for, because it's been a couple of months now, maybe exactly. they're looking for a promotion. Yeah. They want to be VP of okay. chanting, exactly. you know, or something like that. If, if any of that's going on, I, I'm not seeing that, but it's probably a behind the scenes thing. It's inevitable. It's human, yeah, it's human right. nature. Anyway, so, so it's been a tough market. Did did we? Yeah. Did you get a chance to look at the uh, how the dividend paying stocks we've been picking for the last couple of weeks have done? You know, um, I have a fairly long term horizon, so I'm going to look at that in a couple of years. But what I do know is, 
they're paying a dividend. That's the beauty of it. I don't have to know much. I know I'm getting paid just by sitting here owning it. Well, I'm going to I'm going to yeah, go back. Maybe and, you've looked. Uh, I will, but now um, you wanted to say something on air before we started about being able to Google us. Oh, yeah. With the ticker symbol, because well, that's, what, that's the way I'm going okay, to Okay, a couple housekeeping items, yeah. Mo. That's good to remind me. A couple housekeeping items for listeners. First of all, we've been doing this show for about five years, and we've done a lot of stocks by now, so we've got some commentary on a bunch of stocks. And, you know, there are different prices now, et cetera, but some of the core fundamentals might be similar. And I've been uh, putting tags into the you know, XML code for years. So if you go to Google now and type the value guys dash a ticker symbol, there's half a chance that a link to that particular show comes up. And it's all, uh, you know, on Google. You can also go to our website, thevalueguys.com, where uh, we have an index to old shows there through iTunes. And then finally, if you drag the XML code into Internet Explorer, or even Microsoft Excel, you get this beautiful history of all the shows uh, by ticker uh, and, and industry and, and things like that. So uh, that's, that's useful to do, and that, that's my housekeeping for the week, okay. I guess. Okay, that's good housekeeping. Yeah. So, uh, Anything else going on? No. Well, you know, we were, we were talking, I thought it was kind of interesting that we were talking a little bit earlier about doing a, like an, an Iron Chef for analysts. Well, uh, that was right. Right as as I was finishing up the drinking, we were talking about that. I don't a know. great idea. Iron Iron analysts. Yeah. You would, you and I enter yeah. the conference room from sure. different doors. Yeah. The gun goes off. We have one right. hour. We race to the center of the conference room yeah. table. We have identical piles of Q's, yeah. K's, all the last releases, right. proxies, etc. Right. Access to hotline to the CFO. We yep. need a quick We're question. Both online, and we have yeah. one hour. Tick, 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 tick. You know, this tick, is how tick, I used tick, to interview uh, junior analysts for myself. Exactly that. I'd give, give them a 10K, hour. a news release, and an hour. Yeah. And then I'd say, show me what you have. What am I supposed to do? Figure it out. And, uh, but you need to raise, yeah, I guess yeah. in their case, the bar is that if they don't do well, they don't get the job. Right. right. How do you incent whoever loses? The winner. Has to eat uh, the other one's cooking. Oh, yeah, that would. No. That would be pretty awesome. Trying awful. to cross ideas there. No, I don't know. We'd anyway. have to use the loser's idea with your, uh, you know, with your retirement fund. Iron analyst. I kind of yeah. like it. Anyway, I don't know. Stay tuned. Okay. That needs a little work, <laughs> I think. We better just get right into <laughs> These it. These need a little work. Yeah. Three ideas this week. Uh, I've done as little work as possible on them this week, although Mo, frankly, has done a little more. So he's going to have I, some. I printed them. Yeah. That was about oh, the extent of the good. work that I did. So first up. Um, this week, and this is the November 11th, 2011 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition. Uh, first up this week is a company called B-Square. And honestly, I've never heard of this company. The ticker is B-S-Q-R. Value Line ranks them four for performance, four on technical, four on safety. Those are all below average. And, uh, However, they do give them a B for financial strength. So, you know, there's a decent thing. But clearly, Value Line doesn't like this. And one of the reasons is the stock's gone from 14 earlier this year to $4.79 currently. Um, but what attracts me to it? Well, again, I'm looking across the top of Value Line, nine times earnings. My quick inverse of that, one over nine, 11%. That's a net earnings yield 
on my price, and I know I can get two at the bank, so I'm, I'm still listening at that point. It's roughly 60% of the market PE, so again, cheap stock. Uh, then I look down at some profitability metrics, and I see there's a lot of NMFs on the page, which means not meaningful, I'm assuming, and a lot of losses on the page in terms of earnings losses. So this is not for the faint of heart uh, by any means. And when I take their market cap, it's 10 million shares times let's call it $5 a share, that's 50 million market cap. I mean, there's people whose uh, garages have more stuff than that in them. So it's a very small, undoubtedly risky company. So I just want to mention that. But this is where you might find something interesting. And what I'm noticing is first, they've got uh, $2 in cash on your 479. So I can back that out. That means I'm paying 279. There's no debt. And then I'm seeing an operating margin uh, in last year, every every few years, they earn about 5% on what now is $90 million in sales. So let's just round up. Let's call that $5 million in operating income. And I know that doesn't include the interest income because it's operating, so I'm not double counting from the cash. So I've got $5 million in operating income. And divided by 10 million shares is $0.50 cents a share. And I'm basically you know, paying a net of about $3 for that. So that's uh, $3 divided by 50 cents a share is six times operating earnings, or 1 over 6, 16.6%. That means if we bought this company, we would earn 16.7% roughly every other year, and maybe a loss every so often. But what I'm going to suggest is, in the recent year, They've had their biggest increase in sales in a long time. I can't say I know why that is. It doesn't say there's been an acquisition, but there probably is. Or they've moved into a new territory. Or something good has happened because they've added a delta of $30 million, uh, in net sales. They didn't have any particular downturn in the 09-08 time period. So whatever they're doing, uh, they're doing it pretty well. And I guess I should say what that is. They're providing engineering services and software to the smart device market. They don't name the customers, but it's quite possible that they're providing products to all platforms, and that market, smartphone units, is in the ascension. So it could be that this could last for a while. And then there's replacement and all that. So you're betting on continued unit growth in the smartphone market, six times operating earnings. That's about all I know. Uh, value line rates this terribly. This, the the chart's terrible. So again, I like to be a little contrarian. When you have no demand and you're buying it, it means when demand eventually comes back, uh, you might get a snapback toward the old highs here, which is in the in the low teens. B square, BSQR. There's my pitch, Mo. Be be there or B, be square. There. Buy this or B square. Do you tell me? Did you uh, did you take physics in high school? I did. I did do that. Do you remember what a sine wave looked like? Yeah, of course, of course. What does that look like to you? That looks like a cosine wave. Well, even better. <laughs> Forget you majored in math. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's, you. if you look at the long-term chart of this, it, yeah. it's really been it's a little volatile. And uh, looking at where the trend is, it would look like a nice ripple effect if it comes down a little bit. So based purely on the technicals, um, I'd probably pass on that. Four, four, four. Yeah. Kind of like. Well, it's one, 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 one. Hmm. So no more time even worth spending on this reading. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, next up, 
DG Fast Channel, ticker DGIT, except, ladies and gentlemen, and I believe we might have talked about this three months ago, the board, because I was in, initially a little, a little surprised when I went to punch this ticker in to get a current price, uh, which I neglected to write down, the stock didn't exist. I'm like, what? Well, they've changed the name to Digital... Uh, you know what? I forgot to write it down. Gener digital gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. No. Gin and tonic. Digital generalization. No. Uh, let me type that in. I don't know what it was. Can you look that up, Mike? I will. Yeah. Anyway, DJ Fast Channel. They've just changed their name. They're in the business of providing digital technology services that enable the electronic delivery of advertisements, syndicated programs, and video news releases to broadcasters. And, of course, this channel what am I looking is for? in the Ascension. Well, if you just type DGIT in, what does it say? We're not usually live on the Internet. This is such a treat here. Digital generation. Okay. Digital generation. So they've had their, their name changed. And it appears they did that. You know, we've talked about Limelight Networks here on the show, LLNW. Uh, as a provider of streaming services to Amazon and Netflix. These guys have just bought a division of Limelight called iWonder, which also is involved in streaming, but in the advertising channel. So evidently, Limelight has drawn the line between uh, entertainment content and advertising, whereas DG, or Digital Generation, uh, is focused on advertising. Their margins and this is one of the things that gets me excited about this, their margins, the lowest margin on the page in their worst year is 16%. That's in 05. Then it's 28, 31, 37, 39, 45. So it just keeps moving higher. Um, now, um, they do have a share count that keeps growing, and I think that's something that uh, you may want to mention, Mo. I don't care for that too much. But the increase in the value seems to be keeping a little bit ahead of the growth in the share count. And uh, let's hope that, you know, maybe they slow down on that share count growth over time. I would like to see them do that. Meantime, though, they have no debt, so perhaps uh, issuing shares is an alternative to issuing debt. And I would rather have a debt-free company than a company that, you know, doesn't know when to issue shares. So that's fine. Um, the valuation on this thing is very cheap. It's uh, 10 times earnings, about a 35% discount to the market PE. And if I do, and they have no debt, I think I mentioned that. If I do a quick enterprise value to EBITDA here, they got 28 million shares times 18. Let's just say that's about 550 million in uh, equity value, uh, no debt, less the, call it 50 million in cash. That gets me 500 million, and the EBITDA is about 45% of their sales of last year, $250 million. Uh, and so that's just call that, uh, you know, $120 million. So I'm looking at 500 divided by 120, which is about uh, 4, right? So that's 4 times EBITDA, or a 25% cash-on-cash return. Again, assuming for a company with intellectual property, um, you know, there's not going to be a lot of depreciation. It's not physical equipment as much. And, uh, and most of that's going into R&D, which is being expensed anyway. So you don't have to be overly concerned about that. The valuation looks great. The business of advertising online is rising. 
They're making strategic acquisitions. You're not paying for them. DG Fast Channel, or rather Digital Generations, ticker DGIT. There's my pitch, Mo. <clears throat> That's a good pitch. I like it. You know, and, and you mentioned one hiccup that you didn't like, and I think that that, in, in a backdoor kind of way, could turn out to be a positive, and it was a share creep. If you look at what's happened with the shares, they go up about three, three million some odd shares a year. Yeah. And on a base of 30 million shares, that's a lot of dilution. On the other yeah. hand, on the other hand, it means that the company is actually growing into a larger market cap. If they can keep the share price constant or rising, keep growing the share base, you're going to go from a small cap to a mid cap. It's an interesting way to grow the company. Yeah. But um, so... Obviously, the story is good. The margins are expanding. If these are public secondaries, it, the management's on the road all the time with the good news, selling the deal. So that's a good, efficient way to build coverage well, for yourself. Well, they might be acquisitions. You know, I'm not uh, really you don't sure know. here. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. But if, uh, if, that, if the former was the case, yeah, it would be a, even more of a compelling story. If there are that many acquisitions, ah, no, nah, no, nah, it, it would be very regular. It's $3 million, $3 million, $4 million, $3 million. Yeah. If you did acquisitions, the share leakage would be all over well, the place. Well, your point's a good one because if they were borrowing money instead, it wouldn't end up in the equity market cap, and it might stay below uh, some thresholds that some mid-cap buyers have. But right. by pushing it all into the equity value, you get there sooner, exactly. which could help your valuation. Uh, should. And if nothing else, it should increase your visibility, more float. What's the biggest problem most of these little companies have? Yeah. Institutions look at them, you look at them and say, I love it, but there's no float. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's a very, it could be even smarter than we think. Could be. So I like the idea. It takes you a lot of work on this. I go do some work. We're, we're actually working on this in the shop right now, and we haven't really reached a final conclusion, but it sure looks good on the surface. Yeah, it fast channel. Okay, finally this week, uh, and uh, let's see, we're, we're kind of ripping through these. Of course, it's lunchtime. That's why I've tried. I got to get back to my desk. You've been ripping through yeah, for the right. last two hours. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, 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 anyway, Sapiens International Corp. SPNS is the ticker. Um, what do these guys do? They're like Homo Sapiens. Well. It doesn't say that here. It's not an Oregon it company. A, it would be on my question list for sure. <laughs> they are uh, a global provider of software solutions for the insurance industry. Oh, yeah. So, you know, to me that says annuity uh, in the sense that insurance is something people are going to always buy and there's always going to be some elements to understanding the uh, right underwriting formulas that are going to require... Uh, technology and software, and these guys are providing a bunch of that. They do uh, project management, application development. They have a platform for uh, porting services from one system to another, and just general technical assistance, it says. I'm just reading from Value Line. Um, they do have a lot of NFs on the page, non-meaningfuls, and when you go back from the 03 to 08 period, they lost money during that whole period, uh, but I would say they were about $10 million in revenue behind where they're at now, so it could just be a scale issue, and their sales over that period were pretty sluggish, and now they've you know, grown for a couple years here. Um, they're putting up a 14% operating margin at $52 million in sales last year, and it looks like um, 
they, you know, Value Line doesn't have an estimate, but their sales will be a little bit ahead of that here in 2011, judging from the quarterly numbers. Earnings are looking a little flattish from last year, and but yet very stable. So maybe they're going to put up a 28 cent, uh, 30 cent earning number. The stock's 345. So it's 12 times earnings. That's what really gets my attention. It's an annuity. And I'd noticed that a lot of annuities uh, in these interest rate levels and with this economy, they sell at giant multiples. And the thing I always like to point to is the long government bond. There's a 10-year bond. It never grows. It yields, uh, let's say, 3%, which means it's trading at 30 times earnings. 30 times 3, that's 90, but give me a little wiggle room there. So if you have a long-term stable, rock-stable annuity, in this environment, it's worth a big multiple, and that's why I'm, I'm you know, interested in this, because you're not paying a big multiple, and yet it looks like between the earnings, I'm sorry, the revenue and the earnings that we've just ticked into a spot here where they're apt to be a little more profitable, or they've gotten a little more pricing on some new nuance to a product, you can't be quite sure about that, but it's selling at uh, 12 times net earnings, it's selling at 7.5 times EBITDA. If I do the one over, um, multiple on that to get a yield. I'm looking at, uh, you know, somewhere between, uh, and I don't have a calculator here, but it looks like it's about 13%, one over seven and a half. So I like it. Um, I don't know really much else. I've done as little work here as possible. Uh, Value Line rates this a three also, so they have no interest in it. They don't like the volatility. It's had, uh, you know, kind of a sluggish 2011 here because earnings are sluggish, but the insurance industry itself has been under a little pressure of late, obviously. So I think this is something that in this particular environment, the stability of it attracts me combined with the uh, below average valuation. Well, that's did uh, did the, uh, the the cash buildup catch your eye? Uh, yeah. Look I mean, at it's, this. It's, uh, it's, well, the, you're right, $16 million. It's a little less than a buck a share, but on a 345 stock. That's meaningful. So, yeah, and there's no debt. So I think that's a good point. You know, it's a, it's a tough call because one of the things that we're pretty spoiled about, which I guess some of our listeners aren't, don't have access to this, but uh, we can walk down the hall, walk into the insurance guy's office and say, what's going on with the competitors? Yeah. What's, what, how good is their software? I mean, look what happened to Adobe this week. How good is their software? How are they positioned? And then lastly... Are there any regulatory trends that, that are going to derail this? He can answer that in two minutes. Yeah, right. And I wouldn't touch. You do the, want to check that? I wouldn't touch the stock until I could talk with him. And if I were on my own trying to invest, it would be tough for me to make that call. Well, with you know, I'll give you t twenty seconds on that. If you really wanted to do your own work, and you can do this pretty easily in Yahoo, if you go in, look this thing up, SPNS. There's a button that shows competitors. You get the four or five competitors. You call them up. You set up little conference calls. You try to do a 30-minute call with each firm. Ask them about their market share, their competitive position, pricing relative to the competitor's margins. And, you know, you usually can, you know, with some persistence, you can usually get a call like that. But absolutely, you'd need to do that. That's what we would do if we were considering it, for sure. And if you call management, you can tell them that you're working for us. And, yeah. Uh, that's fine. Just an analyst with the Value Guys, Inc. The Value Guys Fund. Or VGF, VGF. Partners. Right. You want to try to sound a little, a little better. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So that's all we have. It's kind of a short show this week because it's lunch hour, I guess. 
Unless you had something else to talk about. No, you uh, you go back to lunch a little later yeah. than I go back well, to lunch. Well, okay. It I, was the lunch hour. I mean, it's getting dark out. Well, okay. I have been gone a little longer than I expected. Um, I'll, I'll, let me just do a quick drive-by because we did, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about yield. And, in fact, I went to a wealth management seminar recently just to see what people are talking about. And it's just a bunch of people going, where am I going to get some yield? Yep. Right? Yep. It's hard to get that in small cap value, but here's one. It's just a drive-by, New Star Energy, ticker NS. And I'm looking at it, Mo, and it's got a 7.8% yield. And in part, that's because the dividend is 50% uh, higher than earnings. So I'll give you that. It right now. Be, right yeah, now. it could be chopped. But um, when you look at the depreciation, certainly on a cash flow basis, you see here it's covered. And they may just appreciate that they can hold out for a couple years, keep paying the dividend, because as you see, they don't have any history of cutting it. They don't want to cut it. And they just raised it in 2010. So it's, and if they do cut it, what do they cut it to? Four? Yeah. Or five? Yeah. yeah. So I just throw it out. Yield, new star, 7.8%. Does, um, you know, I was recently looking at um, buying something, and what the beauty was if you're looking at a camera, and you're on a website, you can say, give me the 10 cameras that compete in this range, and there would be all the attributes of each yeah, camera, right? exactly. Is there such a thing for these L LLPs? Because they all have about a 7% yield. It would be great to have them across the top like cameras. And here's the ticker well, sure. symbol, here's here's what, and then underneath. Well, your friends over at uh, your hat company, Yeah. you know, they put out charts like that all day long. Just oh, call over it. there if you, if you happen to know anyone there. Just walk in and look like yeah. I, I work there. I don't there. know if we know anyone there. Yeah, just try. We just have to try to look like we work there or yeah. belong there. Maybe wear like a mask. Maybe a, maybe a tie. <laughs> oh, wear a tie. Yeah. The street, you wear no, a the, mask to go to the work. The value guys' costumes don't get you in, in anywhere. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't get us anywhere. But the suit and tie, that gets you places. So. Well, anyway, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Uh, this has been uh, the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. We have looked at the November 11, 2011, the 11-11-11 edition of the Value Line Observer. See all our caveats, details, links to old shows, photos our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. And, uh, and also we take email, val at thevalueguys.com and mo at thevalueguys.com. How do you spell mo? M-O-E. M-O-E, that's Not what I thought. Not the M-O with the umlaut. That's, that's what, the German I'm getting some email for you, so yeah, we got to no, set no, you it's up. M-O-E. And it's, it's coming in as M-O, so I just wanted oh, to get that M-O. set. Oh, M-O. Hey, well, let yeah, me think Mo. about that. Stay, let me think about yeah, that. Yeah, think about the spelling. Okay. Till next week. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.